Hey, we're grateful to be back with you. We're thankful that you're with us. Tyra and I are thankful to be a blessing to you today. Uh, I get phone calls occasionally. I also got some, a card or two that I just read uh, to our team that puts this together and just thanking us for this online service. And man, that helps. And uh, send that to our office because it just helps our team uh, that works before, during, and after this presentation to edit, uh, to get it ready to go. There's just a whole lot of layers to this. And um, we just want to say thank you for that. And thanks for listening. We pray. We just pray it challenges you <clears throat> and that it is a blessing. We're in Joshua 24, 15 today, a passage that a lot of you are going to know. It really just boils down to Joshua saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's where we are today. Um, let, let, me, let me read this to you. Joshua's address to the people. And if, uh, if you be unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the God your father served in the region beyond the river or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Uh, but as for me and my house, his declaration is this, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today so plain a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, if you prompt to me with it, Lord, to those who are watching and listening, I want to be obedient to speak to it. I just trust you in the knowing of that and the prompting of that. And then, uh, Lord, you look at all of us, but you look at me differently. I'm a teacher. I'm your preacher. And upon me is a greater and a more strict judgment. I know that, and I accept that in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. As Joshua reveals himself to the people and, and he is giving them this message, he's telling them that God has revealed himself. God has led his people and God is faithful. And we're talking about them coming out of Egypt, going through the Red Sea, going through the wilderness, uh, Joshua mentions that the promises of God are true, meaning he not only knows them, he has tested them, and he knows for certain that they are true. So uh, why this declaration here? Why this declaration uh, that he has given to them about choosing? He said, uh, he really says it in a light way here. I mean, it's a heavy message but he's like the gods of your ancestors are really nothing. Because he says, and if you being unwilling to serve the Lord, choose them day whom you will serve. There's the decision. Whether it's the God of your father served in the region by the river, beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But my choice is for me and my house to serve the Lord. I'm gonna bring it to, to present day. We're, we're, we're often at a crossroads. And a lot of times we get to a crossroads, you think, well, I'm just going to stand still. And that may seem like the logical thing to do. Uh, I don't know which way to turn, whether I need to go straight, left, or right. But it really boils down to usually two decisions. I'm either going to go forward or I'm going to go back. <clears throat> I'm going to head back. Um, this, this declaration of being able to have to make a choice is not that foreign to Scripture. Uh, yes, I understand theology and doctrine that talks about, yes, we are chosen, but also in, in, in light of a book that Norman Giesler wrote, uh, I also think that we are free. 
Chosen But Free is really the name of his book, which I absolutely loved, and it helped me tremendously. But this declaration of being for the Lord or against the Lord, which is really the way Joshua was presenting this, is, uh, is not foreign to Scripture. Let me bring out uh, three areas so that you'll understand. Uh, J- Joshua mentions that our God is a jealous God, and that's not the only place in Scripture that that is mentioned. But in Matthew 12, 30, these are the words of Jesus. He said, he who is not with me is against me, and he does not gather with me scatters. It becomes a, you're a for or against. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 21. Paul, uh, it goes more extensive in the context here, but you, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. You're at one of the two tables, so there's a choice. James 1, 8, uh, and we're back to James, O Camelies from last Sunday and, and James the Just as he was given the name in history. For that person must not suppose that a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, will receive anything from the Lord. And it really means double-minded means double-souled. It's like you're living two different lives. You're going to have to choose between one or the two. So uh, Joshua telling the people to choose which God you're going to serve, the lowercase g-gods, of the Amorites or on the region beyond the river or the God that has revealed himself to you, capital G, uh, that has led you out of Egypt, that has taken care of you every single day, protected you and fed you and guided you, who has shown himself to you and revealed himself to you, you're going to have to make a choice on, on, on which God you're going to serve. Colin Peckham has, in his scholarship, uh, presented some great ideas that I want to share with you today in the, uh, with, with his scholarship and me adding to that. This is something I want to be able to give to you today uh, and share these thoughts with you. One is that Joshua gives a public declaration of his faith when he makes this address. Uh, he wants everybody to know who he serves. That's just public. I, I want I want that to be I want that to be known. The second challenge that we see in this is that Joshua gives a personal declaration of faith, saying, "Not only do I want you to know that I have chosen, but I want you to know personally I have chosen. I have chosen to serve this God who has revealed Himself to us." And Joshua, third challenge is gives a permanent declaration of his faith. And it is said in such a way that I know generations before us have served other gods, but you need to know that I, from here on, am serving him. It's a declaration of permanence, of completely and forever, I am going to be serving this God. And really the picture is I'm going to teach other generations to do that too, but we'll get there in a moment. The fourth challenge that he gives us is that Joshua gives a proven declaration of his faith. He often says the promises of God are true because he has tested them. He's not just heard about them. He's not, he's, he, he's not just heard about them. He's not just read about them from the law. He's walked with him and he knows that God's promises are true. 
So they're proven to him. That's why he stands so boldly, makes it public, personal, and permanent. That's why he does that. Joshua gives a paternal declaration of his faith. He says, me and my house. Now, I'm going to spend a good deal of my time right here under this segment of he is giving a paternal or a parent declaration of me and my house. And I want to speak to parents here. Uh, uh, those of you who are legal guardians, who are foster parenting, whatever the situation may be, we, we look for that perfect household. Uh, whether the kids, you know, are like leave it to beaver family. You know, they, they dress up to eat supper, which that never happened in my house. Even then it didn't happen. You know, mom is serving the meal with pearls around her neck. Uh, you know, there's nothing going on. It's all this picture perfect life. And you need to know that every house, every house, my house, Tyra's house, Tucker's behind the camera, his new home now, he, he and Allie are just, are, they're newlyweds, but every house has a crisis of belief. Every single one of them is part of our maturing process. It's part of our process of figuring out um, as the Lord reveals himself to us and his promises are true and it's just this growing and growing and growing and there's just tension there. And so to say that there's a crisis of belief in every house is to say there's tension in every house, every one of them. So a parent will ask me as a pastor, where do I start? Where do I start in, in discipling my kids and my home? Where do I do that? And the answer is, it's wherever the tension is. So you just don't start with this set of things of what we're going to learn. If you're a parent and there's a crisis of belief going on in your home with your children, uh, then where where is the tension in your children? Now, I know there could be tension with a spouse. I, I get that. It's still the same answer. It's where do you start? Wherever the tension is. Wherever this crisis of belief is, is where you start discipling. And you, you have to look at it in such a, you disciple it. You pinpoint it and you go after it. Listen, listen to me. I know you're getting ready to agree with me on what I'm about to say. I know you are. But kids are not equipped to lead your family. And you know that, yet you continue to do that. They are, they are not designed to lead the family. I really believe, uh, and I'm saying this, and you don't have to agree with me, but I really believe being a pastor for 36 years, uh, having my own family, I really believe they're looking to us for guidance and leadership, even in the midst of their confusion and their tension. They're looking for us to be able to do that. And you're going, well, where do I start? Well, wherever the tension is, that's where you start. And, and Joshua spoke for his entire household. He really spoke for his entire house. So back to discipleship. Here you are as a parent or a legal guardian, and you're you're going through a situation, and and you're like, I don't know where to start, and I'm going. You got to start where the tension is. That's where you got to disciple whatever's before you. That's that's your beginning spot. And you're going, well, what do I do? And usually the reaction is, well, let's. Let's take them to talk to the preacher <laughs> and feel like what the preacher says. But in, in our new discipleship culture, I'm going to throw that back on you. I'm going to help you 
dig into the truth of God's word on the place of tension in your home and then let you embrace that and disciple your child. I really believe that is the intent and the picture that needs to be carried out. So it's not, what does the preacher say about it? It is, what does saith the Lord say about it? And it is getting you into God's word on that place of tension, that crisis of belief, and discipling the parent to be able to handle the child is got to be what does God say to that. So we need you as parents and legal guardians to dig into the word of God, searching the word of God for the tension or that crisis, that immediate crisis, and then you disciple your family, obviously with our help, obviously with us equipping and helping to empower you to be able to do that. Um, this is a new discipleship culture that we're getting to. Let, let me give you an example of how important this is now. And the picture is that our kids, let's say, go on to college. Let's just use that uh, because there's a, recent, there's a recent situation that I want to bring out. And uh, you've had them all these years, and they're going off to college, and we know from, a, from an angle of faith that when they go off to college, they can leave the church and leave their faith and all that. But have you ever answered why that that happens? Could it be that we haven't discipled them properly to be able to read them? You're going to go, well, you're going to look at the church and the leadership, and yeah, you can throw us in there, but then I'm going to look at the parents in exactly the same way. That's why I'm giving you the sermon today. So here's something recently in a conference in our state here in Kentucky, and it is a conference to help college and university campuses and their ministries on the campus, which I'm very much for. You've got a Campus Crusade for Christ. You've got Young Life. Uh, you've got Christ uh, uh, Fellowship. You've got uh, Baptist Campus Ministries, which we used to know as Baptist Student Union or BSU. You've got all those things out there, which I am for every one of those things. You need to know that. There's the Wesleyan Fellowship that I know that's on UK's campus. And it was, a, it was a conference, and I don't know who all attended it or how well it was attended. I just know some of the things handled in the conference. And the conference was to help campus ministries to get ready uh, for this incoming group of students this fall. And it was mentioned that the, the friends, let's take your son or daughter, is going to go on a college campus, it says the friends that they make in the first three weeks on campus usually determine the course of your, your child's life. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think about that completely. Is, is that completely true for everybody that goes to campus? No, the answer is not completely true. But I can see that in all my years that whoever they encounter those first three weeks, which is why we want campus ministries there, is so those first three weeks, those kids will identify with campus ministries and then identify with people that are gonna be positive life changes for them. And I'm not saying that they can't meet somebody else and, and not help them to become what they need to be, but usually the picture is who they meet in the first three weeks determines the course of their life, thus the strategy for campus ministries. 
Three weeks of influence? Now hang on a moment. Compare that to all the years that I've had to disciple my kids or your children. Compare that, that all that I've had, that in three weeks so quickly they can be influenced to actually change the course of their lives. Um, I'm telling you, mom, dad, legal guardian, foster parenting, you're wondering where to start and what do I do? Where's the tension? Where is the crisis of belief? That's where you start. You're going to go, well, I don't know how to do it. Well, we're here to equip you with that. I'm doing that with parents right now, even as I speak. Not letting them come see the preacher, but I'm discipling those who are leading that family to disciple those children because I really think those children are looking to us for this certainty that this God is really, really real. And we're able to be able to show them that in that context. So Joshua made a parental, a parental declaration. I want to challenge you today to make that same parental declaration. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Another challenge that Joshua gives us is a passionate declaration of faith. Uh, he, he's passionate about it because he knows, and this is what I told you earlier, we would get to this point. He knows this declaration is going to affect generations, but he also knows to affect the generations, it has to start in the house. Yes. It begins in the house. Amen. Amen. If we're going to reach future generations, we begin in your house. It's where we start. Joshua gives another challenge and says this declaration of faith is a purposeful declaration. He says, I will not serve any other gods and I will not serve two masters at once. I am only going to serve the Lord. As we're about to close, uh, we make comments all the time. I'm going to do better. I'm going to get better and I'm going to change. I want you to know that Joshua said none of these things. If you want to make a declaration that's going to impact the present and the future, you need to make a declaration like Joshua. Joshua didn't say, I'm going to get better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to change. Joshua says, I'm going to serve. There's a key word in there. It's not about getting better and it's not about doing better. He says, I, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And the word serve that he uses here is a, is a word that is a picture of somebody tilling the ground in a garden. It is preparing the soil for all the growth that is to come from God. So uh, we, we serve him. It's not about doing better, getting better. I need to serve him. Joshua made this declaration for all generations and even for us. As for me and my house, we are going to till the soil. We are going to get things ready for growth. And we are going, he basically is saying, we are going to grow in the Lord that has already revealed himself to us and the God who has, we know that his promises are true. He's already proven to them but he says, we are preparing the ground of our lives for even future growth beyond what we already know. And I pray you do exactly the same thing today. In our present tense, 
That's what we call the kingdom of God. We're gonna, the world is gonna give us challenges. There's gonna be challenges in your family. There's gonna be challenges with your sons and your daughters. Are you gonna handle them with worry? Are you gonna handle them with anxiety? Or are you gonna handle them with the word of God? I've gotta get you who lead your families into the word of God so you can disciple your families for all the future generations. If we're gonna change the generations, I'm gonna to go to the picture of Joshua. He said for future generations, it is going to be, and it's going to start in your home and in your house. So you dig in the word of God. You don't know where to go, I'll help you with that. I'll give you tasks to formulate you onto what thus saith the Lord, so you can announce those promises even to your family, very own family. So you dig, okay, you dig. Know that this God is revealing himself to you and that his promises are true and you can trust him in every single situation. Amen, I'm fired up. I could go another 30 minutes, but we don't have enough battery, okay? So I'm gonna have to shut this down. I love you. Thank you for watching today. We pray it's a blessing to you and may we all say together, not grace and peace, that's in a moment, that's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so now, what do we say to each other? Grace and peace. Make sure you live in both of them. God bless you.